for the love of goats. We are talking about everything goat. Whether you're a goat owner, a breeder, or just a fan of these wonderful creatures, we've got you covered. Today's episode is brought to you by Premier One Supplies, sheep and goat equipment that works from folks who use it every day. And now, here's Deborah Neiman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. This is Deborah, and I have with me today Joe Putnam from Premier One Supplies. And I'm really excited to have him here today because Premier One was actually one of the very first companies I ever discovered when I started my farm. Um, back in 2002, the guy came to fill up our propane tank, and he saw that I had goats. And he goes, hey, you know about Premier One, right? And I said, no. And so he wrote it down on a piece of paper because this was before everybody had websites. He wrote it down on a piece of paper for me, told me that he raised sheep and that, that Premier One had the best fencing and equipment and everything and that I needed to call them and get their catalog. Again, back in the dark ages. <laughs> so um, I kind of set it aside. And then, you know, I went to my local farm store and saw that they had electric fence chargers there. And I saw this one that said it charged up to 10 miles. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. You know, our farm is only 32 acres. Like this is going to be way more powerful than anything we need. So I bought it, brought it home. It really did not work so great. Um, so we lived with a lot of mistakes, a lot of problems and stuff, but we thought that's just what electric fencing was like. And so it wasn't until we needed to get a second charger that I actually looked at Premier One. And, and it, the funny thing is I looked through their catalog and there are so many options in there. And I was pretty sure what I was going to need was this charger that cost $250. And so I picked up the phone and I called and I discovered that the people on the phone were not just salesmen who were going to try to sell you the most expensive thing or just take your order. They actually talked to me about what kind of animals I had, what kind of um, soil I had. Like they asked me all kinds of questions that I had no idea made any difference whatsoever in what kind of fence I needed. And in the end, she said that I um, would probably do well with this this charger that cost only $150, which was $100 less than I thought. So that was the first thing I bought from them. And then I ultimately started buying like their electro net for our sheep and goats. And we started with two or three rolls. Today, I think we're up to 15 or 16. Um, it's a lot. Plus, we have three rolls of the poultry netting to go around our um, hen mobile. So we really love their products. And so when it comes to electric fencing, I it's the only thing I recommend is Premier One. And so that's why I wanted Joe to talk to you today about what you need to look for in an electric fence. What do all these things mean so that you don't get sucked in by like, oh, this will electrify 10 miles of fencing. And you think that it's good and then wonder why you have problems. So that's a really super long introduction, but thank you so much for joining us today, Joe. <laughs> You're welcome, Deb. Thanks for having me. Wow, that's um, a, that is a good introduction. I like them. I like them that way. Thank you. Making me blush. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Well, as you know, when you've been using something for so long, so it's probably 16, 17 years at least that we've been using your products. And then we got your heat lamps and all kinds of stuff. 
So the first thing I want to talk about um, is let's go through some terms that people need to know because it's not just about how many miles of, of no. fencing. Um, so there's some really cool terms we need to talk about, like pulse and jewel. And we're not talking about diamond jewels here. We're talking <laughs> about the jewel that's spelled J-O-U-L-E. Yes. And volts and amps and ohms, O-H-M-S, not meditation. That's his. <laughs> another electrical term, ohms. Um, so can you tell us, like, what do all those things mean and why should we care? Absolutely. So an electric fence, there's probably the two main uh, terms we focus on. Well, we focus on all of them, but the two mains are volts and joules. And joule is how much energy is in your, is the output coming off your fence energizer. That's the little box that you either plug in uh, to your outlet or uh, put on a battery. And what's coming, the amount of energy that's coming off of that is measured in joules. So if you have more joules, you have more energy. And the rate or the amount of pressure behind that joule is measured in volts. So voltage is the pressure on your electrical line, more or less in this case. Um, you mentioned pulse, and that is uh, the type of energizer. Energizer, uh, we use pulse type energizer. So it's just a one little shock of energy about once a second or once every second and a half. And that's just your little bundle of energy that's made up of a joule and it's pushed by your volts and that's running down your fence line, that electric pulse. Uh, and then amps, that's how much uh, energy is flowing over a unit of time. Uh, so think of uh, gallons per minute or something along those lines. And then another one we uh, like to focus on is ohms and that's the resistance. And that is what uh, impedes or slows down or acts against the um, pulse traveling down your fence line. So think of, say, a nice piece of copper. Uh, that is something that's used in electrical lines all over the place because it's very conductive. And then think of a piece of rusty barbed wire. One of those is going to have more ohms or be less conductive than the other. The copper wire, it'll have fewer ohms, so it means it has less resistance, and the rusty barbed wire is going to have more ohms or more resistance. So those are things we need to keep in mind um, when uh, building a fence or sourcing energizers or selecting conductors for your fence. Okay, so it's probably not a great idea. If you've got an old rusty barbed wire fence out there, it's probably not a great idea to just go hook up an energizer to it. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, uh, yeah, we, we tend to recommend not combining or not electrifying the barbed wire or even electrified and barb at the same time. I know it's done a lot, but the the case there is, have you ever been hung up on a piece of barbed wire? Or yeah. How about, <laughs> how about you're stuck next to a hot piece of barbed wire or an electrified strand next to it at the same time? That's, yeah, we're trying to avoid stress for both the shepherd and the animals as well. So we try not to electrify barbs. I know folks do it. Anyway. Right. Not a good idea. Yeah. That and it's uh, high resistance. Gosh, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing that we usually think about when we say, I need to get an electric fence is the energizer. Mm -hmm. What do people want to look for? I've already told them what you don't want. You don't want to just get something that says lots of miles. Um, what do people need to look for in a good energizer? 
All right, so typically what's recommended nowadays is the low impedance pulse type energizer. So that eliminates high impedance. It eliminates um, continuous current or weed burner type energizers. You wanna avoid those if you're going to be electrifying netting or anything with a, um, a electroplastic conductor. So electroplastic conductors are your, um, your plastic and metal braids ropes, twines, and tapes. You don't want the continuous current on those because the pulse lasts a little bit longer than a typical low impedance pulse type energizer. So that extra pulse time creates a little bit more heat. So if you have some heat on that plastic, you can melt it. And if you have grass contact, you have a short to ground, which creates a spark. So you have a fuel source, you have a spark, and you have some oxygen around there because of the air. And I now, it's been a while since I took physics or in chemistry, but I think those are the requirements for a fire. Okay. <laughs> so you want to avoid that combination. Gotcha. So you mentioned weed burner, mm -hmm. which sounds like a good thing. Why would you not want to get a weed burner energizer? Right. So if you are running a, if you have plastic conductors, the electroplastic conductors, that weed mm -hmm. burner, so that assumes you're going to have grass contact. So you're going to have have a higher chance of melting plastic and spark and pulse and potential fire from that. Okay. So avoid that. If you're using metal hot wire, I know some folks still use them for that purpose. We don't recommend them because we deal so much with the electroplastic conductors at Premier that they're not even on the uh, table. Okay. The burner continuous current or high impedance units. They're just completely off the table for us. For that All right. primary reason. So that's what you don't want to look for. Uh, what you do want to see um, is output jewels. So they have stored jewels, release jewels, and output jewels. And we look at jewels of output when choosing energizers because that's, uh, that's not variable. That is a set amount coming off the energizer. It's always going to be that same amount of energy, that joule rating. And we use that instead of miles because that miles rating is based on what we call ideal fencing or our ideal lab conditions. So that'll be a single strand of wire with no grass contact on it, perfectly moist soils and very little resistance. Sure, that energizer may run 10 miles, but if you do real fencing conditions where, oh, maybe I've, I don't have the best insulators on my fence or my lowest strand is about six inches off the ground, so I have some grass contact there or potential weed issues. So that's gonna take energy away from your fence. So that 10 miles becomes know, a couple hundred feet real fast. So we avoid the mile rating at Premier primarily for that reason. And then I mentioned grass contact. So every little blade of grass that's touching your fence, it doesn't take a lot of energy because it's not the most uh, conductive material in the world, but it does take a little bit of energy off your fence line. So it, it robs some of your pulse power. And one little blade, blade of grass is not that big of a deal, but if you do that for a full whole fence line, all those little blades of grass taking little tiny sips from your um, pulse, well, by the time you get to the end of the fence, that pulse has gone from something pretty big to something pretty small, real fast. So if you're the kind of a fence manager that says, ah, grass contact, that's not that big of a deal, 
you want to have something with more joules of output because if you start with a larger pulse at the beginning or a larger amount of energy at the beginning of your fence and you have all that grass contact by the time you get to the end of the fence you still have something that's strong enough to keep your animals in and predators out if you start with more energy to begin with if you start with limited energy to begin with you won't have much of anything at the end of your fence and the way you measure that is with the voltage you take a fence tester uh, not your ordinary electric multimeter multimeter and here's why multimeters are meant for testing house voltage which is in the 110 to the 220 range electric fence voltage the uh, voltage coming off the terminals of your energizer is typically around 10,000 volts. So you can fry a multimeter pretty quickly. So that's why you use a specific fence tester because it can handle those high voltages. And the voltage you want at the end of your fence line, the furthest point from the energizer, you want that to be about 3,000 volts. And we use that across the board to cover um, all species. So that's sheep, goats, poultry, bears, swine, uh, cattle, horses. Uh, coyotes, fox, possums, and raccoons. That's 3,000 volts seems to cover about everything. What do people need to know about conductors? Conductors. So that is what carries your power along the fence line. Uh, so I mentioned rope, tape, twine. Uh, those are your standard electric plastic conductors. And uh, they're very popular. They're lightweight, easy to use. And then you have your old single um, strand of metal wire that's usually a galvanized type wire and then there's also a braided cable um, a galvanized cable as well uh, we offer one called maxi shock and that's what carries your power throughout the fence line if you're doing a permanent fence that you're not going to be moving very often i like the metal conductors because uh, overall they have the least resistance per foot or per thousand feet so they're they can reliably carry a pulse throughout your fence you'll have a nice even charge throughout it. Uh, if you're going to be moving your fence pretty often or if you have animals that um, such as horses that move at great speed but their eyesight is not the best, uh, you want a nice big conductor or a nice visible conductor. So the ropes, the thicker ropes and the tapes, uh, you driving down the road they're pretty easy to notice. That's easier for that animal to see because you don't want them accidentally running into that fence. Ah, that makes perfect sense. Okay, I am not a horse person, so I didn't, now I understand why so many horse people use that uh, white ribbon for fencing. Yep, because yep. it it's perfect sense. visible. It's very easy to see. Uh, that and we like to use white and black conductors because that's the highest contrast you can get. So it's very easy to pick up. You don't see white very much in nature. So that white-black combination just pops. And it's easier for us to pick up at night and somewhat easy for uh, livestock and animals to pick up too. So it's just an easy color combination. Um, you'll see yellows or bright greens or oranges. And our experience is that white and black is just better. So that's... Uh, we do offer a green and black conductor and folks like that for the purpose that it's not visible. They, they like putting that around their garden because they'd rather see the garden instead of this beautiful role of premier fencing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was wondering why your garden fencing was a different color. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So it is available in white. We prefer folks go with the white, but there was enough um, demand 
or a request to go green specifically. Okay, well, here are the reasons why you suggest against it, but yeah. Okay. Now on the insulators, that seems pretty straightforward to me. You know, the insulator is what connects your wire or twine or other conductor to your post. Mm -hmm. is, is there anything special that people need to know about insulators? Absolutely. Uh, so they are plastic and that means they are susceptible to sunlight. So you wanna make sure that they stay UV treated on the package. Uh, typically black has the most UV treatment, could be, that's my experience there is that it's got the best um, white and black are the most visible hence we go with those for what we offer yellow is pretty popular um, but to me it comes to down to visibility there again and they also just need to make sure they're uv treated that and the more plastic that's there uh, the more ohms are there to that insulator so the more resistive they become so you want plenty of plastic because that pulse that's traveling along your fence conductor, it wants to go down to your T-post, down to the ground, and back to the energizer. So if you have more plastic there, you have more resistance. So that means it's not as an attractive pathway for that pulse to travel. Oh, that's good to know. So that's why you see like all those curves and corners on your insulator because it just lengthens that pathway. Okay. And I, and I mentioned the um, energy going down your T-post back to the energizer. The way an electric fence works is uh, energy comes off the fence terminal of the energizer. That's the one we call the positive terminal. And it sends the energy on down your conductors. And when an animal or you touch that conductor, the pulse energy travels through you or the animal into the ground and then back to the energizer and the energizer has what's called a ground rod or a ground stake stuck in the ground so the pulse travels to that ground stake and then it's connected back to the negative terminal of the energizer or ground terminal or earth return and comes back makes a circle or circuit that way so that's what completes the circuit of the electric fence it's positive terminal conductor animal ground ground rod negative terminal um, a lot of folks like to ask us, does the fence have to make a circle to complete the circuit? And it does not. You can have a straight line fence running off for oh, hundreds or thousands or of feet or a couple miles, but it doesn't have to connect back to itself because that's not, not what completes the circuit. So you can have a um, fence coming off your barn and only covering three sides of the barn and not connecting back to itself. So you don't have to have a circle there. That's a pretty common thing. And then ground rods, you want those nice and conductive. So we like to use uh, galvanized ground rods for our electric fence energizers. Uh, they reduce, or they're resistant cor to corrosion because they're galvanized. So sticking, as compared to sticking a piece of rebar in the ground, uh, they're far more conductive, conductive over years of use. Uh, so if you get any rust buildup on your ground rods, that means you're lowering your uh, conductivity or raising the ohms in that circuit. So you're not getting the full pulse power back to your energizer. And the way you size or choose a ground rod length, uh, that the industry standards about three feet of ground rod in the soil per joule of output on the energizer. And that's 
that's just the general recommendation. If you have poor conductive soils, you can add more grounding and also uh, take a five gallon bucket with a pinhole in the bottom, fill that with water and set that around your ground rods to make that oil or area more conductive. Uh, then you can also set up what's called, if you're in a dry area, set up what's called an earth return or pause and egg system. So instead of using that ground rod uh, to direct the energy from the soil back to the energizer, you insulate half of your conductors on the fence from the other half. So you'd have a positive connected uh, strand and then the next strand a couple inches away would be connected directly to the negative terminal or directly to your ground rod. So that way when an animal touches both a positively charged strand and a or a positively connected strand and a negatively connected strand, the power goes from the positive strand into the animal to the negative strand back to the energizer. So you get away uh, without have it's a way to get around um, having dry soils or poor poorly conductive soils. Okay. Is there a difference between um, somebody, because like we have a lot of clay here, but I know people in some parts of the country have sand. Does, mm -hmm. does that make a difference in what you need in terms of fencing? It does. So the, the clay holds um, moisture better as compared to the sand. So you'll have, so you, you'll go with the Posnag system in sandier soils. That, if you're using portable fence, I also like having deeper spikes in sandier soils because they get anchored better since that loose sand is not, or sand can be loose and not hold the pokes that well. So it maintains tension better um, by having a well-supported fence. If you have a poorly supported fence, then that means that your uh, lower conductors on the fence can sag and potentially touch the grass or the ground, and then you have a shorted out fence right there. Okay. Let's talk about some of your um, nettings. Mm -hmm. You guys, I think, were the, probably, the, seems like you were the first one to bring nettings to the United States. I believe we were. Uh, our founder, Stan, uh, he went off to school, and he's an Iowa farm boy. We're on the farm he grew up on. That's Premier's location. Uh -huh. He went off to England for a few years to work on a, uh, go to school and work on a college farm while he was out there. And he used netting while I was there. This was in the uh, early to mid 60s. And he came back about the mid 70s um, after graduating and working there for a few years. And he decided he wanted to raise sheep on his farm. But unfortunately, the netting he used and a few other tools he used weren't available uh, in Iowa. So he uh, called some friends back in uh, the UK and ordered netting and other product. Uh, word got around, people asked for more, or asked if they could buy some from him, and he started ordering more and ordering more, and next thing you know, uh, we're somewhat decent size. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a business on business that's been going for 40 years now, so exactly. he finally, finally moved out of his garage. <laughs> that's why I love your tagline. I think your tagline is something like, um, something about people using the products. Oh, uh, fences that work and equipment that works from the folks that use it every day. Right, exactly, yeah. Because I know when I get a newsletter from you guys, um, there there's gonna be information in there about your products, but mm -hmm. there may also be an ad in there about sheep that are for sale. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, we run a youth flock of Dorper Romanov Katahdin cross, uh, 
I think we got that idea from U.S. Mark or the Meat Animal Research Center out in Nebraska, or that cross um, came from, or that, the argument behind it came from them. And we have about eight or 900 ewes. And we, we don't lay them year round. We try to avoid the summer months just because of the heat and uh, potential parasite issues, but we're fall lambing in the fall and winter and probably are wrapped up by now. I'll have to talk to our shepherds about that uh, out on the farm. But so that allows us to have lambs almost all year round to uh, hit the high points of the markets as they, you know, ebb and flow throughout the year. Yeah. That and it's easier to lamb 50 U batches than it is 900 all at once that oh my goodness i can't even imagine yeah we the most kids we ever had in a single year was 60 Mm -hmm. and we either we were in that 50 to 60 range quite a few years and it just was exhausting you know (laughs) and that was spread over a couple months even but there would be days in there where you got no sleep yeah so i can imagine um you and i'm sure you've got more than just a couple people taking care of your sheep too yeah, uh, so we have we have two primary shepherds, or yeah, a shepherd and assistant shepherd, and Stan actually helps out in a lambing barn every now and then, and uh, we do have another farmhand that lends assistant as well, such as like running the feeder, feed grinder, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So on your um, netting, I really mm-hmm. I love it because it it works so well, and you've got all these different types of netting for different species, which I always tell people that you really do need to get the netting for the species that it's advertised for because they like, you guys have seriously studied this stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not just making different netting to sell people more products. Like, like legitimately the electro net does not work with chickens. You know, they just walk right through it. Like it's not even there, you know? Um, and I don't like having the poultry netting around kids and lambs because the verticals are strings and they're close together. Mm-hmm. And if a kid or a lamb isn't used to it, it's very easy for them to get stuck in it because mm-hmm. it's like just the right size for them to stick their head in and get stuck well, and freak out. What's your <laughs> voltage on the fence when they're doing that? Dan? I don't know. <laughs> oh I'm, gosh. Someone needs a fence tester. <laughs> really? Okay, is that too bad or too too low or too high? No, it's too low if they're sticking their head in, right? Like they shouldn't be able to. Yeah, they're not they're not fearing it because I have a lot of folks that like the poultry net for that purpose because it has that tighter spacing and the lander uh-huh. can use that. And they go, I don't think my head will fit through that. Uh huh. So I I see arguments going either way, and I think it comes down to uh, personal preference of the person using the fence. Uh huh. Okay. So you think I need to have a stronger, my, my fence needs to be stronger? If the yeah, your, your voltage, here. I would measure your voltage <laughs> and uh, get back to me on what that number is. If it's not 3000 volts, then we got to figure out, do you need a higher in- output energizer or do you need to reset your fence? Or maybe you just use your electronet and they won't test it. Or anyway, Okay. We'll see. All right. Um, so, so that was some good information there for people that I wasn't expecting. Um, is there anything else? Like, what are some of the common mistakes you see people make with the netting other than I know 
they roll it up wrong. Oh, I was going to say that. That's that's yeah. the number one thing is rolling it up incorrectly. So uh, when you're handling netting, you don't want to roll it like a carpet. Right. Because it's a 100 or 164 foot roll. And if you've ever rolled a carpet, it starts slowly at first. And then, okay, by the time you have 10 feet done, you've got a thicker roll. And it rolls a little bit faster near the end. But netting, it doesn't. it's not as thick as a carpet. And it takes a long time to roll up 100, 164 feet that way. That, and you're wrapping all your conductors around one another because it's not a solid sheet. It's loose conductors and verticals. And you have these spikes at the bottom. So rolling it that way, it's very easy to get your conductors caught on one of your fence spikes. So when you go to reset it, you're sticking that spike in the ground and you've got a conductor touching, touching it. You're going to short out your fence immediately. Uh, that it takes a long time to handle it when you've rolled it up that way. So what we do is pick it up by your end post, pull that out of the ground, walk to the next post, dragging the mesh um, from there, and go to pick up the next post. So you're just kind of folding it by the post as you go along the fence line. And by the time you get to the end, you have five or six feet of mesh hanging down and a bundle of posts in your hand. Set it on the ground, roll the mesh to the post, and then tie it off. And you have a nice tidy bundle that way. Uh, so that's probably one of the major mistakes um, or comments about that I get uh, as why is my I don't like handling this netting. Why is this not fun? It's because you're rolling it incorrectly. Or uh, for some people, um, that 100 foot or 164 foot roll gets a little heavy by the end so then I would recommend going at the shorter roll overall that way it's lighter and easier to handle um, other things that we run into is um, there are metal clips at the end of each roll of netting it's a stainless steel clip ideally that's where you connect your energizer or connect from your uh, permanent fence wire to your netting if you're subdividing you use a pair of fence jumpers or power links to make that connection because that big piece of stainless steel, that is a excellent piece of metal to metal contact on your fence. So that connects it and all your conductors of your fence are connected back to that stainless piece of stainless steel at the end, that little clip. And that provides your best metal to metal or electrical fence connection. Some people will connect at the middle of the fence, like on one of the strands and there's not a lot of material there for them to um, connect to or because of the fine metal filaments, there's not a big hunk of metal there. So that um, when the pulse is trying to jump from a jumper to the net, you might get a little spark there and you might get some burnout spots on your fence. So connect at that stainless steel clip. Uh, also, um, many of our nets have what's called a superconductor on them. So if you look at a roll of electrostop or poultry net, that second strand from the top, it won't be white and black, it'll be white and green. That has a tinned copper or has tinned copper filaments running through it rather than stainless steel. And what that does is it lowers the overall resistance of your roll of netting. So it makes it more conductive. So if you're running many lengths of net, uh, you want to have as little resistance as possible. So you'd go with that uh, superconductor product. So that's something to 
keep an eye out for if you're looking at rolls of net. Like how many do I want to run? Do I want to limit how many ohms of resistance I have on my fence? So I think on say our electronet, that I think drops it down to 35 ohms having that superconductor on it. And as compared to an economy version of that net would be around 100 or 350 ohms. So it makes a big difference. Uh, other mistakes or things to watch out for when I'm um, using netting. Uh, I have a lot of comments that, well, that netting works on straightaways and flat ground. And it, I have hills and a lot of curves and changes in my terrain. Well, what you would do there is you need to have more posts in your fence for that support. Um, or so we have a fence called a plus net. And what that does is it has it shortens the length between the posts. So instead of being 10 to 12 feet between the posts, you're about six or seven feet between the posts. So that allows you to better adapt to changes in your terrain, curves and corners, ups and downs, dips and dives. So I like to say, um, so that'll help better maintain the uh, tension on your fence and reduce any potential sagging. That and uh, if you come up to a curve or corner or a major directional change, uh, put an insulated post in there. Uh, that way you can make an instant corner because um, if your corner lies between two posts on your net, you can stick a fiber rod or a fiber tough post in there, they're a plastic post or a fiberglass post. And that'll help you make your corner and support your net. So that's another common thing. Um, when setting up the net, make sure you don't have any conductors caught beneath the spike, because mm -hmm. uh, that'll short out your fence instantly. And have plenty of output on your energizer too, absolutely. <laughs> um, you wanna be able to provide a memorable shock to anything that touches it. So any predators, any livestock, they need to remember that I want to stay away from this. So that right. way you can contain and protect. Uh, so don't skimp out on your energizer. And if you um, call us and get sized for, hey, I want to run three rolls of uh, Electronet, we'll say, okay, you can get away with a half joule energizer. Are you going to be adding to it in the future, do you think you'll expand? And you go, oh, I might add one or two rolls. I'll say you're probably at the limit for the unit you have with going up to that three or five rolls. So if you are gonna go five, you might wanna go the next step higher on output for the energizer. So those are things to think about. Okay, right now I'm happy with one. Do I wanna expand by uh, the energizer? That'll help with that expansion. That way you don't have to buy one later. Uh, so, and typically on fence energizers at Premier, we get away with a half joule output that'll do about three rolls of poultrying or up to five rolls of sheep and goat fencing. But that's dependent on your soils. If you have poor soil composition, or if you have uh, dry soils, you won't be able to get as far. If you have moist soils, you can make it, but now you've got to uh, maintain that grass contact or monitor the grass contact on your fence. Moist soils, well, grass likes moist soils, so it'll grow. So you gotta be very vigilant about keeping that grass short. So did you just say you only could have about three to five rolls of netting on one energizer? On a half joule energizer. Okay, that might be my problem. <laughs> Remember I told you we have like 15 or 16 rolls of netting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I only have two energizers. 
I, you know, I can give you a number at the end of this call. <laughs> <laughs> Some folks to talk to. Yeah, I think, okay, this is the thing I love about you guys. And it's, oh, I can't believe I never talked to you about this. <laughs> like, I know you so well. Like, you're at all the Mother Earth news fairs. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things, in a, in a world where everybody is ordering everything online, you guys still have a very high-touch business where you are out there meeting people, talking to people. You don't make it impossible for customers to find your phone number like so many companies today. Like, you think they'd rather give you a kidney than give you their phone number. Um, but you guys love talking to people because you know that it's not the it's not like buying a jar of peanuts or something, you know, <laughs> like we, like we might need to talk to you about this. And I'm really mad at myself for not having talked to you about this sooner. Um, because I know you're shaking your head. Like, like I only see you what five, six times a year. at yeah. the Bears. <laughs> like I totally could have discussed this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, about like, yeah, we're not getting quite as much kick out of our fence charger. Well, maybe that's because you've got 10 rolls of netting hooked up to it. Yep, makes much. a difference. <laughs> um, so anyway, so this is awesome. I learned so much from our conversation. <laughs> Clearly. Okay, so this is a lesson for everybody listening to this. Like, don't just go to the website and think that you can figure it all out, you know, give them a call, talk to them, tell them what, you, what kind of animals you have, what your land is like, what, you know, the terrain as far as like, are you going to be fencing on hills or flat? Do you have sand or clay and everything? Um, so I'm really excited. <laughs> I can't wait to tell my husband all this. Funny, um, we got to spend money. All right. <laughs> But it's with Premier. Oh, okay. That'll work. I know. Well, it's good stuff. Um, so um, this is... And, and as far as that advice, we do uh, more than fencing. We also run a sheep and goat advice service. So that would right. be sending an email to sheepadvice at premieronesupplies.com because we have a, um, a sheep and goat nutritionist, uh, nutritionist, Dr. Dan Markle. He was the... Uh, small ruminant guy at Iowa State for many, many years. And we also have uh, contact with a few sheep and goat vets um, through that service. So if you send an email in with a question, uh, we'll direct it to those folks and they'll get an answer for you. So if you have a question on nutrition, we can answer for you, for you, it for you. Or a question on vaccine protocol, we can get that answered for you because we can get it to the folks that know what they're talking about uh, rather than uh, doing a Google search and praying for something. Right. So, yeah. Great. Well, this has been so much fun. I know this is going to be really helpful for people. It's been, <laughs> it's been way more helpful for me than I expected. Um, Good. I already love your stuff and use it all the time and now I can use it even better. So that's exciting for us. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to love it even more. Um, but I think my animals are like, they they don't challenge it because they apparently at some point got a good enough shock that they remember it. <laughs> so, so it works for us. The only challenges we really have are those new kids who mm -hmm. don't know it yet. Um, so, well, thank you so much for um, joining me today. And You're welcome. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. And I will probably have you back sometime to talk about some more of your stuff. Oh, I love that. And that's it for today. If you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes. 
And I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or your other podcast player so that it makes it easier for people to find us in the future. Thanks so much. And I'll see you again next week.